Welcome to the crossings. Saray. Come on down. Hello, Saray. Anytime somebody makes a commitment to follow Jesus, we want to acknowledge that. Uh, this past week, Saray was baptized into Christ. I'm going to give that to you. You can go have a seat. You guys give her another hand. Um, and as part of our responsibility, you know, the, the Bible presents uh, a new believer as like a new baby. Uh, that whole process of being born again, it's this idea of uh, you go from your old life to this new life, and you're, you're a new baby in this new life. With new babies, we have a responsibility as older brothers and sisters to take care of our new babies. Um, and so with everyone, we want to acknowledge their presence here. We also want to make sure they're getting the care that they need. Um, and so, Saray, we are glad you're here with us. I want to call your attention to this flyer. If you're a dude, we got a camp out next weekend. Uh, we're going down Friday to Great City State Park. Um, we would like you to sign up for that so we can figure out how much food we need to purchase. CrossingsCollinsville.com slash men. There's a sign-up form. Uh, we're going to have just some good times together. If you want to go rappelling, uh, there's going to be a group of guys going rappelling. You can go fall off a cliff with a rope. Hopefully you hold on to it, right? Um, I will not be rappelling, but some of these guys will be. Uh, so if you'd like to do that, we'd love for you to come. And we're in the middle of a series here called Miracle of Mercy. Now, the reason we chose this series uh, around Easter this year is because we want to help people understand what God is like. And one of the chief characteristics of God is his mercy. Mercy is just defined as, as undeserved kindness or undeserved grace or undeserved forgiveness. Uh, a lot of times people struggle with believing that God loves them because they feel like they don't deserve it. And that's the whole point. We don't. Uh, we don't deserve his forgiveness. We don't deserve his grace. We don't deserve his love, but he gives it to us. It's just part of who he is. Uh, now, another fact presented in the Bible, in addition to his mercy, is that without God, we are lost. Now, this is one of those concepts that uh, is not always pleasant to talk about. Have any of you guys ever been lost before? Have you ever just gone and gotten super duper lost, like on a trip or when you're driving somewhere? It's not comfortable. You know, there's anxiety, there's stress, you don't like being lost. Uh, I remember my dad telling a story, uh, when he was four years old, he grew up in the country in southern Arkansas, and he wandered off into the forest as a four-year-old. And he got lost bad, like out in the middle of the woods, to the point that they had to call the town together, the sheriff and all the townspeople, to go out on horses. My dad's a little older than I am. They went out on horses with lanterns, literally, uh, and, and went searching through the forest until they found him at like three in the morning. I mean, he was lost bad. They found him sitting by an old oak tree, and he still remembers the name of the guy who found him, because you remember the name of the person who finds you when you're lost. Uh, but it's not fun, right? And, and whenever there's lostness, there's alarm. Now, what the Bible teaches is that humanity is lost like that. We're lost like that. But then God did something about it. In Titus 3.5, now you've got some notes in your bulletin. If you want to pull those out, it's going to have most of the scriptures we're going to look at on there. This is the first passage of scripture that we're going to look at today. Titus 3.5 says, Jesus saved us, not because of the good things we did, but because of his what? His mercy. He washed away our sins and gave us new life through the Holy Spirit. Now, every week here at the crossings, we take communion. Uh, we either take it here in the assembly or we'll take it in our small groups when our small groups meet. We're going to take it in the assembly today because our small groups aren't meeting. And I wanted to take it right here at the beginning because I want us to get our minds right. As we talk about lostness, as we talk about mercy, we need to think of this in proper terms. You and I are lost without God's intervention. But God loves you so much that he made himself a human being. He came into the world. He died on a cross for your sins. He gives you an opportunity not to be lost forever, guys, but to be found, to be adopted as children into his family. Whenever Jesus was on the earth, he had a meal, a Passover meal with his disciples right before he was going to go to the cross. And he told them as part of this meal, I want you to take this bread and take a piece of it and take it. This is my body that's going to be broken for you. Take this in remembrance of me. He gave them a cup of wine. He said, I want each of you to take a drink of this and this is my blood that's going to be spilled for you. I want you to take this in remembrance of me. This wouldn't have made sense to the apostles at the time that he did this. It wouldn't have made sense, but it made sense later. 
Because what Jesus was teaching them to do, he knew he was about to go die on a cross. He wanted them to understand that he knew ahead of time that was going to happen, and he let it happen because he was going to die on that cross as a penalty for their sin. He wanted them to make that connection. And he told them, take this meal and do this in remembrance of me. And then after his resurrection, every Sunday when they got together for church, this was why they got together. It was to take this meal together. To remember, this is how much God loves me. I was lost, but he wanted me to be found so badly that he made himself a human being and came into the world and died in my place so that I could be found, so that I didn't have to be lost. Guys, that's a God who loves you. That's a God of mercy. And so the reason we take communion is just, it's a weekly reminder of how much God loves us. And so let's take that today and remember, this is how much God loves me. He made himself a human being. He gave up that power. He died on a cross for my sins, even though he had all the power to, to stop it. But what kept him up there was his love and his commitment to me, because he wants me to know I'm so committed to you that I'm willing to lay out and die on a cross for you. What else could he have done? Honestly, what else could he have done? Let's pray. God, as we take communion together today, help us to remember your love, your body that was broken, your blood that was spilled, and you allowed it to happen, God, just because you want us to know this is how committed you are to us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So the purpose of Jesus coming into the world is articulated in Luke 19.10 and other places, but this is Jesus talking about a sinner that he was about to reach out to, Zacchaeus. He says, I have come to seek and to save those who are lost. I have come to seek and to save those who are lost. Now, this is what God is like. Uh, there, there's two kinds of people in God's eyes. There's people who are lost and people who are found. That's it. Like if you just had to break humanity down, it's lost and found. Those are the two kinds of people that are in the world in God's eyes. And every one of us is in one category or the other. Now, some of you might be sitting here thinking, well, I'm not in the safe category. That must mean I'm in the lost category. And that can make you a little uncomfortable. Uh, that can even feel a little demeaning. I've talked with people before who say the word lost from, from church people is demeaning to everybody else. Well, Guys, lost is not demeaning. What do you do whenever you lose your cell phone? What do you do for it? You look for it, right? The other day I was at a, at a school function and uh, one of my kids lost their cell phone. Those iPhones are a thousand bucks. So I turned on Find My iPhone and I started looking around the venue where we were and I got up to a trash can and it looked like it might be in the trash can. So guess what I did? I started looking through the trash to see if they, it turns out it was in a bag across the room on the other side, so it wasn't in there. But I was willing to dive into the trash to get that $1,000 iPhone, right? Why? Because it's valuable. I don't just throw a 1000 bucks around, right? But what if it was a Kleenex, like a used Kleenex? I lost my used Kleenex. I blew my nose five minutes ago. I can't find my Kleenex. Where is it? I'm not going to go digging through the trash for the used Kleenex or like a bubblegum wrapper or something like that. Why? Because there's no value to those to me. But that iPhone is valuable, so I'm going to search for it because it's lost, right? Whenever God talks about you and I as being lost, but then in the same breath says, and I went and searched for you. Guys, lostness implies value. That's the first blank on your notes today. Lostness implies value. It is not demeaning for God to say that you or I, we're lost. It implies we're valuable to God. He wants a relationship with us. He wants us to be found. He wants us to be close to him. He doesn't want us to stay away. He doesn't want us to be lost. He, we're valuable to him. It shouldn't make you uncomfortable. Now, we're going to ask three questions today. First of all, what happens to me when I'm spiritually lost? Second, how should I respond to God's mercy? And thirdly, how does God respond mercifully to me? And to answer these questions, we're going to look at Luke 15. Luke 15 in the Bible is known as the lost and found chapter in the Bible. When we talk about lostness, we want to look at Luke 15 because it's all about lost and found. And there's three stories that Jesus tells in Luke 15 that kind of illustrate this for us. There's the story of the lost sheep, the story of the lost coin, and the story of the lost son. Jesus told all these stories to make a point. You matter to God. Your lostness matters to God because you matter to God. God doesn't want you to be lost. 
In the story of the lost sheep, Jesus says there's a shepherd who has a hundred sheep. And one of those sheep goes missing. The shepherd notices there's a lost sheep. And so what does he do? He leaves the 99 in the field and he goes and he finds the one lost sheep and he brings it back and then he throws a party and invites all his friends over. Why? Because he found his lost sheep. The story of the lost coin is similar. There's a woman who has a lost coin. There's, she has 10 silver coins, loses one of them. So she only has nine silver coins now. The one is lost. So what does she do? She lights a lamp. She sweeps the whole house till she finds her lost coin. And then she invites her neighbors over and has a party. Why? Because she found her lost coin. And that's worth celebrating when something is lost and then found. Jesus then tells a story about the lost son. He said there's this, there's this snot-nosed kid. And he asked for his inheritance early from his dad, which was really disrespectful. Okay? In, their, in their culture, it's like saying, you're dead to me, dad. Give me my money. Uh, and so the kid takes his money from his dad. He goes to a far country, and the Bible says he spends it in wild living. So he's partying it up. He's drinking. He's doing drugs. He's sleeping around. Eventually runs out of money, and then a famine hits the land. And what he, he goes from being party boy to being broke boy. And he doesn't have anything. He ends up working in a pig pen, which for a Jew was really bad. And he's so hungry that he's ready to eat the pig slop because, because he's just that hungry, right? And he starts thinking to himself, I've made some bad decisions. I'm in this pig pen. I used to be in my dad's house. My dad's house was comfortable. It was nice. It was clean. You know what? It would be better to be a slave in my dad's house than it would to be in this pig pen. And so he decides that he's going to go home and he's going to beg his father's forgiveness and he's going to ask for his father to make him a slave in his household. And what happens when he gets home? He finds out his dad has been sitting on the porch waiting on him to come home and he doesn't bring him back in as a slave. His, his dad says, no, 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 I'm going to wrap my best robe around you. I'm going to put my ring on your finger. We're going to kill the fattened calf, which if you eat a calf, you want the fattened calf, right? He's going to eat the fattened calf and they're going to have a big party. And he, it's again, he throws a big party. So in all these stories, something is lost, something is found, and then they throw a big party. You guys kind of see the, the pattern here, right? And Jesus says there's more celebration in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 who don't need to. And that's just the heart of God, guys. And so I really like the way this illustrates this. But we're going to um, just take our application from these three stories today in, in our discussion of lostness and in our discussion of the mercy of God. But to be lost in God's view is to be spiritually disconnected from God. That's the next blank on your notes. To be lost, is in, being lost involves being spiritually separated from God. Now, you guys know the Bible teaches God is the source of all good, right? He's a source of life. He's a, sort of, a source of life. He's a source of happiness. He's the source of joy. Uh, you don't want to be separated from that. But to be lost is to be separated from that. So what happens to me when I'm spiritually lost? Well, first of all, like a lost sheep, number one, I lose my direction. I lose my direction. Now, sheep don't mean to get lost, okay? What happens when the sheep are out grazing is they look and they say, that grass looks a little bit better over there. Let me go over there. And then they look and they say, that grass looks a little bit better over there. Let me go over there. And Oh, that looks better. That looks better. And pretty soon they're lost, right? What we call that wandering. When, when you're looking and, oh, that looks better, let me just go that way. Let me go that way. Let me go. We call that wandering. And so the sheep wander, and they end up getting super lost, but they don't mean to, right? They're just sheep. By the way, none of us get lost on purpose. You guys ever think, you ever go out just to get lost? Let me go out today and get lost, okay? Uh, nobody does that. You get lost on accident. You get lost. Uh, you don't even realize it's happening, right? That's how the sheep are. They're just, oh, that just looks better. But let me go over there. They, they don't mean to, okay? But that's what happens. When I was very young, uh, I decided one day I was going to go look for turtles. And I didn't mean to, but two miles down the road when the sheriff was picking me up because my parents had called the police, I found out I had done something wrong because I had wandered far away from safety. I had wandered far away from home. I got home, got a whooping, and realized I'm not going to do that again. Um, but I put myself in danger. I didn't mean to, right? We can do the same thing as adults with much more serious consequences. It says, and uh, matter of fact, we should expect to sometimes. It says in Isaiah 53, 6, all of us have strayed away just like lost sheep. We've all left God's path 
to follow our own ways. Now, if I'm following my plan, but not God's plan, then I am wandering. If I'm following my desires, but I'm not worried about God's desires, I'm wandering. And what I'm going to do when I'm wandering is I'm going to end up getting lost, even though I don't mean to. You guys relate to that? So it's important we know that, okay? Secondly, like a lost sheep, when I'm lost, I lose God's protection. I lose God's protection. Now, another thing about sheep, guys, is they are defenseless virtually. You're never going to go and read a history about attack sheep in a battle. You know, they didn't have like their war sheep they would take out to fight the enemy. The, the sheep, they, they don't have claws. Uh, their, their teeth aren't all that sharp. Uh, they can run, but that's about all they can do. And honestly, they're not fast enough to outrun most predators. So if a predator comes up on a sheep, that sheep is in trouble. The sheep is virtually defenseless. And what you have to have if you're a sheep in order to survive is a shepherd. And an unprotected sheep that's away from the shepherd is a sheep that's going to be in big trouble because it's not going to be able to protect itself whenever trouble comes. And God says this is true about us. In Zechariah 10.2, my people are wandering like lost sheep without a shepherd to protect and guide them. Without a shepherd to protect and guide them. Psalm 23 says the Lord is my shepherd. Okay, Jesus is my shepherd. Guys, that was true for David. It's true for us. The Lord is our shepherd. In John 10, it says Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the one that gives us protection. He's the one that makes everything okay. He's the one we can lean into and, and we can depend on. But if I'm not following the shepherd, if I'm wandering away from the shepherd, I'm not going to have the protection of the shepherd. I'm going to be defenseless in life. I'm going to be on my own. And guys, like sheep, you and I, we're, this world is going to chew us up and spit us out if we wander away from the shepherd. So we shouldn't do that. Now, it says in Romans 8, 28, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Underline love God and called according to his purpose. That's very, very important. Because what this passage right here says, what Paul says, is your, your life will work out for the good. Even the bad stuff in your life will work out for the good as long as you're leaning into the shepherd. As long as you're loving the Lord and leaning into the shepherd. As long as you're staying close to the shepherd. But guys, when we walk away from the shepherd, you need to understand this verse is not true. All, not, not everything's going to work out for good. Things are going to work out for the bad. The opposite is true. But God can take even the deepest darkness, as long as we're faithful to him, he can take the worst crap we go through and, and use it for good, as long as we're leaning into and faithful to him. Now, I talk about this all the time, guys, but I was sexually abused as a kid. You would think that nothing good could come from that. I was a drug addict for years and years. I nearly killed myself, I don't know how many times, using drugs. Drinking, driving, and, and just using too much drugs. Nearly killed myself, nearly lost my life a lot of times. You would think nothing good could come from that. But let me tell you, when I gave my life to the Lord and started leaning into Him, I've been able to help people who have struggled with the same crap that I've struggled with and gone through the same garbage. People are in the, even in the middle of it. They can't see any good, like... People in the, and I've been there. Like, I know what that feels like. So I'm able to relate to them and speak to them on a level that I wouldn't be able to if, if I hadn't gone through that. Because I have hope now. Because I leaned into the shepherd. I leaned into his goodness. I've learned that good things can come from bad stuff like that. But guys, if I was still just wandering, if I didn't have the hope that I have now, if I didn't understand this life is just a short blink and then we get to go be with God in eternity if I didn't have that kind of viewpoint and I was just living for today guys I wouldn't be helping anybody I would just be stuck in my own darkness still but but when you turn it over to him guys God can work all things out for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose you got to lean into him though otherwise things are not going to work out for the good you understand you got to lean into him thirdly like a lost coin, number three, I lose my potential. When I'm disconnected from God, I lose my potential. My potential to do great things in the world is limited. Now, I've got some money here. 
Here's a $20 bill. And uh, you, could do, you could do a lot of good things with this $20 bill, right? Which, by the way, this has passed through thousands of hands. One of the dirtiest things you can handle in life is money, right? Because it just it gets touched by everybody. In, in the COVID world we live in today, that should be a comforting thought for all of you. Um, you could feed a family with this. If you got a stack of these, guys, there, you, you, could, you could feed the poor. Uh, you could start a business. Uh, you could help start a rehab center like we're doing here. You could do all kinds of good stuff if you get stacks of these, right? But let me ask you, what good is this $20 bill if it's lost? Okay? Are you going to use it to do anything good if it's lost, if you can't find it? No, you're not. Why? Because you gotta have, it's got to be found in order to be used. The potential is lost. Now, is it still worth $20 if it's lost? Are you sure? Okay, it's still worth the same if it's lost. Are you sure? Now, this is important, right? Sometimes when we're lost, we feel worthless. It's still worth the same when it's lost. The problem is its potential is lost. It's, it's not lost, it's wasted. Or, it's, excuse me, it's not uh, valueless, it's wasted when it's lost. You get what I'm saying? Its potential is wasted when it's lost. And the same is true for you and me. When we are lost spiritually, it's not that we're not valuable. We are. The problem is our potential is wasted when we're lost, when we're disconnected from God. All your potential gets wasted. Now, let me just tell you something. God made you to do great things. If you knew what God would do with your life, if you gave him 100%, it would blow your mind. You wouldn't believe it. If God could just give you a vision of here's the life that I have in store for you. Here's the things I have in store for you to do. Here's the ministries that I have for you. Here are the people you're going to help. Here's the generations that are going to... It would blow your mind if you just knew what God would use you for if you gave him 100 it even it says in 1 Corinthians 2.9, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But when you're disconnected from him, all that potential gets flushed down the toilet. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't take wads of cash and flush it down my toilet. Okay, But that's what you're doing with your life, which is way more valuable than wads of cash. Whenever you disconnect from God. So when you're lost, you lose your direction, you lose God's protection, you lose your potential. And like a lost son, number four, I lose my happiness. I lose my happiness when I'm lost. Now the story of the lost son illustrates this. Uh, this younger son rebels against his father. He takes his inheritance money. Uh, he squanders it. And then he finds himself in a land that's struck by famine, and he's starving. He's not in a good spot in life. He ends up in a pig pen. Every prodigal has a pig pen, by the way. Pig pen is an act of God's grace. It says in Luke 15, 6, uh, 15 16, this is from the voice paraphrase, the young man felt so miserably hungry that he wished he could eat the slop the pigs were eating. Nobody gave him anything. One version says the younger son wasted all he'd been given, and eventually he became miserable and lonely. Now, what started this in, in the story Jesus told was the conflict that this young man had with his father. And I'll just tell you guys, there is nothing in life that will steal your happiness faster than a conflict in relationships. There is nothing in your life that will steal your happiness faster than a conflict in your relationships. Now, the ones that hurt the worst are conflicts between people we love, people in our families. Think about the worst times in your life. For most of us in here, the worst time in your life has been when you've been in the middle of a conflict with somebody that you love. The most unhappy times in your life have been when you've been in the middle of a conflict with somebody that you love. And let me tell you, when you're not in fellowship with God, it's relationships are very hard because Jesus is the one who teaches us how to have great relationships. 
He's the one that teaches us how to relate properly to people. He's the one that teaches us how to practice love and and forgiveness and grace and mercy. He's the one that teaches us to love our enemies. He's the one that teaches us not to gossip and slander and not to use our words in, in, in careless ways. He's the one that teaches us not to lose our tempers. He's the one that teaches us how to love even unlovable people, guys, and love covers a multitude of sins. It says that in the Bible. Love is, is, if we can be people of love like Jesus, we can have great relationships. You can have a relationship with anybody. Jesus took this so seriously that he said, when you get mad at somebody and cut them out of your life and say, I'm done with you, it's like murder. Okay, that's what it's like to him. That's how serious this is to him. He is the one that teaches us how to do this well. Now, guys, you'll, you'll see in, in, in the news and in, you know, like, People magazine stuff, you'll, you see Hollywood kind of propped up a lot as here's the model of how to be or celebrity culture. Some of the worst relationships you hear about are, are like celebrity relationships and Hollywood relationships. Why? That's a place where God is largely devoid. Okay? You're seeing on a grand stage what it looks like to try to do relationships without God involved. That's why you have like five and six marriages. That's why. Johnny Depp and Amber Heard are all over the news right now. That's why you see all this stuff, because God hadn't been involved in those relationships, and so those relationships suck. People treat each other horribly. Why? Because they're not living like God says to live. And they're unhappy, and they're taking pills all the time, and doing drugs all the time, and self-medicating all the time, because they're unhappy, because their relationships suck, and they're lonely and miserable. And some of us have been there before. You know loneliness and misery. You don't even want to live. There have been times in my life where I've just not wanted to live anymore. Like that's, that's where depression will take you eventually. You just don't even want to live anymore. Why? Something's broken in my life. Guys, for this prodigal, something was broken in his life. And something might be broken in your life too. But guys, whenever we find ourselves in that pig pen... You need to remember, the pig pen can be an act of mercy. The misery and the lostness that this kid felt, he needed to feel, okay? Because his heart needed to change. And what he could have done in that pig pen is harden his heart and say, no, I know better, and I'm going to keep doing life my own way. That's not what he does, right? And so we see a different ending to the story. And let me, guys, God is the source of all good. We're not joking around when we say that. He has a monopoly on it. You're not going to find any good outside of him. He's the only one who's the source of good and life and light. And all of the things you want in your life, it's, it's wrapped up in him. All of it is wrapped up in him. And you can be close to him. If you don't feel close to God today... Guys, it's not because God moved. It's because you wandered. Just like this young man in this story wandered. But what can happen is when you realize, I'm not where I want to be. I need to go back home. That's what this young man does. And we'll see how that ends in a second, okay? When I'm spiritually lost, I lose my direction. I lose God's protection. I lose my potential. I lose my happiness. And lastly... When I'm spiritually lost, I lose my home in heaven. I lose my home in heaven. God gives us the freedom to choose. In his sovereignty, he gives us the freedom to choose. That is God's design for us. You're created in his image, and that means you get to choose whether to follow him or not, because he wants you to have that choice. He wants you to be able to do that. So God says, okay, make your own choices. You, want, you don't want to choose to follow me. That's fine. Uh, you want to wander away and not return. That's fine. I'll let you do that. And then when you die and stand before God, God says, I'm going to honor whatever choice you made. It's not God choosing for us. It's not God condemning me to hell or I get to go to heaven. It's God honoring the choice that I make in this life. I get to choose whether I want to be with him or not. I get to choose whether I want to lean into relationship with him or not. I get to choose whether I want Jesus to be my friend or not. Whether I want intimacy with him or not. 
There's a lot of people that believe in God and you know, may pray occasionally or whatever, but they're not intimate with the Lord. God wants intimacy with you. He wants intimacy with you. And if you want to rebel and, and walk away, he'll let you do that. But you need to understand there's going to be consequences for the choices that you make. He's going to honor whatever choices you make. You get to choose. What are you living and acting like right now is more important than God. What are you living and acting like right now is more important than eternity. Because if it's something else, we would call that an idol. God would call that an idol. If there's something else that's in the center of your life that is more important to you than, than loving the Lord and leaning into him, that's an idol. It says in Luke 9.25, will you gain anything if you win the whole world but are yourself lost? Of course not. That's Jesus talking. What good is it if you get all the wealth in the whole world, if you just had everything but then you end up going to hell? Is all of that wealth and all of those things, is that worth it? No. Is that relationship worth it? Is that job worth it? Is that new car, that nice house or whatever, is, is that worth it? No. At the end of the day, the only thing that's worth it is your soul. That's it. The only thing you can take with you when you die is other people. You get to go and you can take other people with you. You can bring them along, right? That's it. All this other stuff we chase after is, when you think of life in this way, kind of stupid. Guys, did you know marriage is not eternal? Did you know that? You know, the Bible says when you die, you're not married anymore. Which works out if you've had more than one uh, spouse or whatever, right? It just kind of cancels all that out. Uh, we, don't have to, we don't have that confusion. Um, that shouldn't be central to your life. Relationships of that way shouldn't be central to your life. Jesus says, don't store up for treasure where moth and rust destroy. You know, he says, whenever, whenever I come back, all of this wealth and all of this stuff you guys get so caught up in in this world, it's going to be gone. So, so you center your life around that promotion or that money and amassing it, and you're just going to die and leave it to somebody else, right? It's not going to go with you. The only thing that's going to go with you into eternity is your soul and other people that you can influence. That's it. If you just make your life about leaning into him and helping others lean into him, that's wise. That's a wise investment. Is anybody in here an investor? Okay, you, you look at the markets, you... Uh, you say, no, it's not a good time to be one, right? Uh, things are not going good right now with that. But a, oh, the wisest investment you can make is to structure your life around eternity. Guys, this stuff is either true or it's not. I am fully convinced this is true. This is not a fairy tale. I've had things happen to me in my life. I know God is there. It's not a, I think he's there. I, I know he's there. I know he's listening when I talk to him. I know he's involved in my life. And I see him do stuff when I pray for things. He does stuff. That's pretty cool, right? It's not a, there's not a shred of doubt in me. I'm not typical, okay? Some of you in here may be doubting. Let me ask you, though, do you believe enough to obey this stuff? Because that's the litmus test. It's not a matter of, I have some doubts. No, if you doubt, that's okay. Do you believe enough to obey? If you believe enough to obey God and do what he says, he's going he's gonna to cover you, okay? But if your doubt is enough that you say, eh, I'm going to do this other thing, don't do that, okay? Make the wise investment in eternity. And here's the thing, guys. There are a lot of different reasons we can be lost. The lost sheep, maybe the lost sheep was just lost because of weakness. Why? It's a dumb sheep. Sheep wander, right? Didn't mean to. It's just weak. Maybe some of you have gotten lost because you didn't mean to. You're just kind of weak, right? You're just, just kind of subject to that. Uh, the lost coin, you know, what, was the coin at fault for getting lost in that story? No, it was, it was probably the neglect of the person who should have been taking care of the coin. Sometimes we get lost because of that. Because somebody that should have taken care of us didn't take care of us well. Or maybe we grew up in a religious household and our family was just full of hypocrites. I see this a lot. And the hypocrisy that we saw in our own house turns us off to religion in general. Deal with it all the time, right? So maybe you got lost because of neglect. 
Or maybe you got lost because a caregiver wasn't Christ-like to you. And it kind of turned you off to religion in general, right? Okay, not your fault, but you're lost. But then you got the lost son, okay? The lost son is, is lost because of his own choices. The lost son gets lost because of his rebellion. That's a different kind of lost, right? Um, all three of these stories, though, illustrate that regardless of the reason that we get lost, God understands, God cares, and God doesn't want you to stay that way. Amen? God wants you to be found regardless of the circumstances. He wants you to be found. He wants intimacy with you. He wants you to come into fellowship with him. He wants you to see the life that he has in store for you. He wants you to take hold of that. And I can be lost, but the next blank on your notes is, but I don't lose my value. I don't lose my value. Now back to my $20 bill. Oop. About to lose my mic here. So $20 bill. Here, I got a nice crisp one here. Okay. How much is this worth? You want my 20 bucks? Are you sure? What about now? Why? It's all messed up. Huh? What, what about now? Why? Why? But it's messed up. Look. Look at how this went from being like crink, like nice and look at that. What a piece of junk this is. You still want this? It still has value? But it's been through the ringer. It's been through the ringer. Right? You guys see the point. Sometimes when you go through the ringer, you can just feel like a piece of crap. You know, and you can start believing you're just a piece of crap. Because why in the world would God allow this to happen to me if I wasn't? I've struggled with that. You know? If you've made really, really bad decisions in life, if you've just blown it, if you've gotten involved in stuff you knew was wrong, if you've developed a habit you knew was destructive, if you were abusive towards somebody else, if you hurt a kid, if you uh, rebelled against your parents, it, whatever it might be, you go through the ringer and, and you know when you're this, you can feel worthless. And when you feel worthless, you're not going to make any improvement. You're not going to move toward God. Why? Because there's no hope. There's no point. I'm just a piece of crap. You can't polish. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be crude, okay? But the old saying is you can't polish a turd. Okay, what's the point? I've never tried to do that and I never will, okay? Why? Because I know it's pointless. We can think of ourselves like that sometimes, okay? That's not what you are. Don't believe that lie, guys. Even if you're broken, even if you're crinkled, you are still worth every bit as much as you ever were to God. And guys, his opinion is the only one that matters. At the end of the day, he holds all the marbles when it comes to that. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. At the end of the day, it just matters what he thinks. At the end of the day, and that, that applies to every aspect of life. Okay? Doctrinally, all that. Like, it only matters what he thinks. But what God says about you is you are priceless. What God says about you is you are worth more than all of the wealth in this whole world. What God says about you is he loves you so much that the creator of the universe was willing... Guys, he would have come and died on the cross if it was only you. That's how important you are to God. That's how much he loves you. In Matthew 11, it says, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and worn out from carrying too much. Learn to trust and rest in me, and you'll recover life. And it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Anyone who connects to Christ becomes a new person. The past is forgotten, and everything becomes new. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how rebellious you've been. It doesn't matter how bad the decisions you've made have been. Even if you knew you were making bad decisions, you didn't care at the time. It doesn't matter. His arms are open to you. You can come back 
and he'll embrace you and he'll make it like it never happened. He'll make things new. That's what Jesus does. That's the point of the cross. That's the point of God's mercy. And we know we don't deserve it. That's why it can feel really weird for us to throw ourselves on the mercy of God because we don't keep score like God keeps score. We tend to hold grudges and stay mad, right? That's not how God is when we come back to him. So the next question is, how do I connect with God's mercy? And we'll close with this today. How do I connect with God's mercy? Well, number one, I can connect with God's mercy when I get fed up with my life. When I get fed up with my life. Now, for the lost son, things got bad to the point that he got fed up. He goes and squanders all his wealth on wild living. He gets himself in trouble when the famine hits the land. He ends up in a pig pen, starving, wanting the pig slop, right? Things are bad when the pig slop starts to look good. But guys, that's what happens to us. Whenever you're starving, you know, if you have like a little kid and and they're starving and they're digging in a dumpster for food because they're starving, they're going to take whatever scraps they can get. Guys, that's, that's the desperation whenever we're starving that we can get to. But whenever we get there and we start looking around and saying, I never intended to be here. How can I change the situation? How can I get out of here? Guys, when we get fed up is when, honestly, things will get to the point where we're ready to change. The pig pen is an act of grace. The pig pen is an opportunity for us to reassess our situation in life and reassess our relationship with the Lord. It says in Jeremiah 29, 13, in the message paraphrase, you'll find me, this is God talking now, you'll find me when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else. You know, that's the the idea of seeking God with your whole heart. A lot of times it's really bad circumstances that lead us to wanting to seek God with our whole heart. In the recovery world, we call this hitting rock bottom. You know, whenever you hit rock bottom, the only way you could look is up. Sometimes it takes a while for people to find their bottom. You'll hear that a lot in recovery circles because some people will have really, really horrible things happen and they'll never lose their life. And then, you know, you'll think they're, they're going to start moving towards sobriety now when the next day they're out doing the same stupid thing. And we say, well, I guess they didn't find their bottom yet. They haven't hit rock bottom just yet. It's different for different people. For this kid, the pig pen was his rock bottom. He hit rock bottom. And what happens when you hit rock bottom and you start looking up is uh, number two here. I connect with God's mercy when I own up to my sin. I own up to my sin. He hit rock bottom and he got humble enough to admit, I made some really poor decisions that led me to this pig pen. I made some really poor decisions. Let me just ask, have you made bad choices? Own it. Have you had a bad attitude? Own it. Have you been disconnected because you've been angry or afraid or whatever? Just own it. Don't pretend like you didn't mess up. Just admit it, okay? This kid realized he had messed up. And Things started to change when he found himself in that pig pen and started looking around saying, oh, this ain't so good. How did this happen? Well, he started putting the pieces together. Man, I've been stupid. I've made some really bad, rebellious choices that have led me here. Um, It says in Luke 15, 17, 18, when he came to his senses, he said, I have sinned against God and you. Notice it says when he came to his senses, he was not acting sensibly when he was making the decisions he'd been making before. Guys, I've been there. I've been unsensible, to put it mildly, okay, in my life. I know what it's like to, to put yourself in a situation like this. And, uh, and that's what happens. So where do you go from here? Well, number three, I connect with God's mercy when number three, I offer myself up to God. I offer myself up to to God. Now, I want to show the contrast here in in this story in verse 12 versus verse 19. Look at the change in attitude. The kid starts out saying, give me my share to his dad. Give me, give me, give me, right? But he goes from there to 
having this pig pen experience, having this heart change, make me a servant. He goes from give me, I'm the center of the universe, I want what I want, I'm going to structure my life around my desires, I'm going to reject the teachings of my mom and my dad, and I'm just going to do what I want, to pig pen. Then he has a heart change, and he says, make me a servant. He comes back to the Father humbly, and he says, make me a servant. And how does the Father respond? Now, by the way, he's still planning to go and just be a slave in his Father's household. Just make me a slave, like, like the rest of the hired hands right here. I, just, I, I don't even have to live in the house. Just I'll, I'll stay over here in the tents with these guys and just work in the field. I just, I just want to be in a better that's not what. It, that's not how his father responds, though. It says in Luke 15, verse 20, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran out to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. He wasn't expecting that, was he? But that's the mercy of God. Whenever you return to God in repentance, 100% of the time, this is his response is mercy. It's mercy all of the time. You don't have to wonder, you know, how, how many times should, should God forgive me before he just gives up on me? Well, Jesus says he's not going to stop. Jesus says his forgiveness is always extended to you. But what's on us now is we need to get our hearts right and we need to return to him in repentance. And that's what we see in the story here. Now, if you're here today and, and you feel lost, you feel like you have disconnected from the Lord or you've never leaned into a relationship, maybe you're just wondering, I want you to know the door is always open in terms of returning to God. This is how he relates to his children. And God does not want you to remain lost. He wants you to be found. One of the ways God will help you is he'll put other people in your life to help you along the way. Um, we're going to close this morning, and I want to tell you some of the ways you could get some help here at the crossings. There's a cardstock piece of paper in your bulletin. Uh, could everybody pull those out um, so that we have them in front of you? Um, repentance gets us mercy, and one of the ways to repent is to ask for help from God's people in doing that. Uh, one of the things we do here at the Crossings is uh, we have uh, these Miracle of Mercy groups that Corey alluded to in, in the opening. We've got groups that are meeting throughout the week. Um, there's uh, one on Tuesday, one on Wednesday, one on Thursday for adults. We've got groups for teens. We've got groups for college students. If you're interested in one of those, that is a great way for you to connect but if you'd like more immediate care, uh, if you're saying, man, I'm here today and I'm feeling lost, mark on that card that you'd like a personal Bible study today. Uh, and, and just indicate that maybe even on the prayer, uh, prayer section that you feel lost and you'd like some help. And what we will do is we'll get one of our leaders together with you. And if you're a girl, uh, we're going to have a, a female follow up with you. If you're a male, we'll have a guy follow up with you. Um, and, and a Bible study sounds really formal, but really it's just sitting down and opening up the scriptures and talking about how to apply the Bible to your life. It's not like a classroom, it's more like a conversation. But what you will find is guidance for how to get into a relationship with God, how to repent, how to have lasting change, and then you're going to have some friends there to kind of help you. And guys, that's all the church is meant to be. The church is meant to be a place where you can develop relationships that are going to help you change your life for the better for God. Uh, it's not about ceremony. It's not about uh, really anything more than that. We get together on Sundays and we celebrate together. We take communion together. But really church is more about relationships and friendships than it is attending a meeting. That's an American view of church. That's not, if you read in the Bible, it's not really biblical. Uh, for the first 300 years of the church, they didn't have buildings. They just met in people's homes. It was relational. It was around a table. Uh, it, was, it was friendships, and it was like family. They called each other brother and sister because that's how they felt toward one another. It, it's like a family. Uh, I want to encourage you to get connected today. 
be it through one of those Miracle of Mercy groups that's meeting this week, or be it through a personal Bible study, or through one of the other many resources that we offer, help for addiction, help for uh, abuse victims. We've got help for all kinds of different things you can just see on the card there. Uh, We want to connect with you, though. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing a song, and during that song, you're going to have an opportunity to fill that card out. Now, if God is pulling on your heartstrings today, I want to encourage you to fill that card out and don't be afraid of sharing, okay? Uh, One of the ways the devil will get you is is he'll just make you not say anything when you need help. You're in a safe place. I want you to know you're with a group of people who are not going to look down on you for anything you have struggled with because we have been there, okay? I guarantee you there's nothing you've done that we will be shocked by. I guarantee you, and you could think of the worst stuff you can think of, we're not going to be shocked by it because we've either experienced it or we've done it, and we understand. So you're not going to get judged, okay? But I want you to to fill that card out, ask for help, and get connected because God works through his word, he works through his spirit, and he works through relationships with his people. Those are the three primary ways that God will absolutely change your life. His word, his spirit, and relationships with his people. And it could be that relationship with his people is something you've been missing in your life. That's why I want you to take this serious, okay? I'm going to pray. We're going to sing a song. It's going to give you an opportunity to fill that card out. Then we'll sing one more song, and you can put the card in the basket. If you're visiting today, we're not asking you for anything more than that card, okay? We don't feel obligated to give money or anything like that. We don't want your money. We do want to help you, okay? Let me pray for us, and then we'll move on. Thank you guys for your attention. Uh, God, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. Uh, Thank you for being kind and compassionate and patient with us. Uh, Father, I pray as we close our service today, if we need help, give us the boldness to ask for help. Help us to know... We're in a safe place where nobody's going to look down on us. We don't need to be insecure about asking for help. Help us to be bold and help us to do that. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for your mercy. It's in your, in your name we pray. Amen.